Have you ever wondered why some young people choose to end their lives? Ever wondered who they are and who they left behind? Have you ever wanted to hear their stories? Would you like answers to these questions and many more? Welcome to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu. Her mission is to shine light on these young people, create awareness for, and educate the world on youth suicide. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Dr. Lulu and her guests. They are not a substitute for professional advice. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK or send a text to www.crisistextline.org. Now, here's Dr. Lulu. Hello, welcome, welcome, welcome back to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu, the podcast. This is yours truly, Dr. Lulu, aka the Momatrician, coming at you on the airwaves today with another beautiful black baby girl let me tell you guys i am looking for these people i can't find them the black girls the black girls the black girls today we not only have a beautiful black girl we have a smart beautiful black girl happens to be a sister doc yes sir her name is dr alana she's a trauma psychiatrist let me tell you guys something if you're at the back listen up she's a trauma psychiatrist okay this is like unicorn of all doctor unicorns yes i'm having goosebumps just talking about it love it her job is to educate the entire universe okay about symptoms and the effects of trauma on our psyche on our bodies on our minds on our brains on our behaviors let me tell you something this child is loaded with information so without further ado dr alana welcome to suicide pages Welcome, girl. I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. I love it. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. I'm very pumped. You know, many, many moons ago, I said I was going to do a podcast about suicide. And everybody's like, what? What do you mean? Why do you want to talk about that? I said, if there's anybody that can talk about it, it's me. We have to bring it to the table, front and center. Yes, it's not a fun topic. But I'm a fun person, so I can deliver it my way. Yeah. And you know what? Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for trying to preach to us that empathy is indeed the cure. That's a, that's, that's a beautiful intro, and I appreciate um, someone else who's willing to have hard conversations about things. I, uh, people are like, how can you be so, so excited and passionate when you're talking about trauma? And I'm like, cause I know that there's a cure for it. I understand that when, you know, we're not defined by the things that happen to us, even though you may believe that you are. And those things, just a change of your belief system and knowledge of your self education about your mind and all of that stuff, like that's what's needed to heal from trauma and so then if you take it to the next step i'm like everybody experiences trauma everyone has had something psychologically traumatizing happen to them you live long enough it's gonna happen <laughs> it, you know it has what? happened it is happening yes even before you go any further, you already started dropping nuggets. We are not defined by the things that happen to us. We are not defined. What I like to say now, what I just started saying is things don't happen to you. They happen for you. So it just depends on the, percept- the, the yeah. perspective that you're looking at it. But it happens for you to learn from it or do better by it or yeah. as a result of it. So thank you. You've already started. I love that. So yeah, we're not defined by the things that happen to us. I'm taking that sure. down and I'm writing it down as a quote. Thank you. Thank you so much. So how did all of this begin? How did you become this warrior, this Princess Zena, basically the warrior princess? Because this is a very rare topic that even us doctors don't want to talk about. <laughs> you know, so how did this whole thing start? Sure. Well, let, let me tell you a little bit about my path. Um, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, originally. And I um, grew up after... After I left their high school, I went to college at Xavier University of Louisiana in New Orleans. 
And then my path took me to Baylor College of Medicine in Houston for medical school. And then I stayed for psychiatry residency in uh, the Baylor College of Medicine residency program. And um, I always liked working with veterans at the VA. It was a huge part of our uh, training to uh, be in veterans facilities. And actually, my training was interesting here because I got to work in the VA hospital, uh, public facilities, um, like the Harris Health System, which is our public system. Um, we also got to work in a uber private um, space called Menninger, uh, Menninger Clinic, which is like a very uh, uh, cush and expensive uh, psychological <laughs> place where people go when they're struggling. And what I saw across the spectrum was um, that every everywhere that I was going, there were people who were experiencing trauma. And so I was really drawn to trauma treatment. And I took a job at the VA when I finished residency in the trauma recovery program, which was PTSD, anxiety, depression, that type of stuff. I did outpatient care for about three years. And then I had gotten good enough at addressing those clusters of symptoms, like um, personality disorders, um, borderline personality specifically, because I think it's misnamed. It should be called complex trauma reactivity syndrome. But we Amen. Won't go there at the I'm moment. writing it down, girl. I told you <laughs> she was smart. I told y'all she was smart. Say that again slowly <laughs> for those of us that went to night school, girl. Right. Let me let me hear. Let's break it down. Complex trauma. What? Okay. Yes. Yeah. I believe that borderline personality disorder is a poor name for a syndrome that just comes from experiencing complex psychological trauma over and over and over again. And, and that invalidation and the, you know, the escalation of emotional symptoms and the black and white thinking, it's a product of psychological trauma. <clears throat> so I just think it should be called psychological trauma reactivity disorder or something wow. like that. But anyway, that, that's a whole nother conversation you believe it you can be it you'd be very surprised it's going anyway. to be dr lana but, dr lana but, syndrome aka complex behavioral psychological somebody somebody trauma somebody that's how it starts you know <laughs> just believe it it's going to happen but it makes sense yeah, though. as a doctor true. i know that oh. it makes sense i like the fact you said something about validation mm -hmm. and and just we're going to come back to that i know because we were talking about that before we went on air the fact that you know some of these emotional traumatic events yeah. we need to validate them don't just toss everyone in the box of depression or whatever whatever when you know indeed i'm trying to tell you that wait somebody just i don't know killed my son you know it's enough for me to be very depressed but not because i had depression before because my son is dead and because he was killed this way you know so validating our reasons mm -hmm. I, I love that mm -hmm. i love that that's the best way to get me to talk <laughs> otherwise i'm just gonna say okay no problem i won't come back like Absolutely. i did i stopped taking the medicine because i was like you know they just want to tell me that i'm depressed i'm not i'm not gonna do it so thank you so much for saying that we're gonna come Absolutely. back to that so Absolutely. that took you so validation, you, you, yes, validation is a cow. validation you know in my book i call it valley freaking dation i said that's what teenagers want from their parents valley freaking dation it's okay that I want my hair to be red today because guess what? Next week, I'm not going to want it anymore. So if you're going to go crazy because I want my hair to be red today, you forgot that you were a teenager once and you also had some crazy thoughts. Like, I just want people to just know that teenagers are normal people. A little cray cray, but they're normal people. You know? Mm. So, wonderful. <laughs> well, so let me, so I when I uh, moved into as I was moving through my career, I ended up being asked to go be the specialist for in, an inpatient trauma program for the veterans um, called Rover, which is returning OEF, OIF, OND, Veterans Environment of Recovery. And it's a one month inpatient program for people to come and get about 12 months worth of evidence-based treatment in one month. So our, our role there was to figure out what was going on with them, figure out their diagnosis, um, provide the skills that they need while they're processing the emotions, provide the skills that they need to manage the roller coaster 
And the other part of my job was to educate them about why are they struggling with these things? Why is this happening? And so interestingly, as I started really being looking at it and studying it, I started to understand and try to tie together the biological aspects with what I was seeing and the patterns of behavior that I was noticing in the veterans. By the way, I also thank you due to VA's understaffing. I had to learn some of the psychologist's job. So I had to learn some of the social worker's job. I had, to, I had to cover the women's program. So at that point, I'm just immersed in psychological trauma for which I have to, you know, sometimes even take people off of or lower their medications, but really giving them heavy doses of skills Amen. for all of these, these feelings that they're trying to manage. Well, so can I just say I that as a veteran, can I just say that as a veteran, I want to say thank you. I haven't been opportuned, oh, lucky sure. enough to be your patient, but I want to say thank you. Indeed, there is a huge shortage of providers when it comes to veterans. And I use the word providers because I mean doctors and everybody else. Before, I know some of the doctors get very personal mm -hmm. when they hear the word provider. Mm -hmm. For me, I don't know how else to put everyone together. So I'm, a, I'm an includer by nature. But yeah, I definitely appreciate sure what you're doing with the veterans. They are very, very lucky to have you as, as their doctor. That's a blessing. So basically you had, you had baptism by fire when it came to this trauma thing. You were just immersed in it. And that is the best way to learn a language, immersion technique. So indeed you're speaking it and you're speaking fluently, fluent trauma now, right? Fluent trauma, absolutely. So the interesting thing about it was that as I, um, as I learned, you know, I taught them as much as they taught me and um, I truly know that veterans are, you know, statistically the most traumatized population in our country. And then, you know, because a lot of people experience psychological trauma long before even going to the military might have even been why they got there. And then when, you know, the minute you step out there and somebody start yelling and screaming at you and you got to, you know, you, uh, there, there's the trauma is inherent in the experience of being in the military. And so it's kind of like, what I understood is that I started with my bar way up high because I was practicing the way we were about to practice. Like you had to get way up here to get a quote unquote qualifying trauma to have this PTSD diagnosis. But the reality was that um, trauma comes in many, many, many forms and the bar is way down low, like being invalidated because I want to wear red hair and you call me a name or you tell me that I'm bad or I'm crazy or whatever because I want to wear my clothes this way or I feel I feel in my body I feel like I'm female or male but that may not fit what other people are saying or any number of, of circumstances where people are being um, damaged by like a lot of our damage is not happening because of physical contact although sometimes it is the psychological contact, meaning the words that come out of my mouth or the way that I'm conducting my body is, um, is endemic, epidemic, pandemic right now. Like the way we communicate with each other is, is inherently damaging. And Gosh. what I started to understand, mm. I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> You're killing me, girl. I love it. I can't, I'm sure nobody can see me, but I am just like having goosebumps after goosebumps after goosebumps. And I was trying to write and I was like, I'm not going to write. I want to go back real quick to something you said before we go too far. Indeed, many people join the military because they're trying to escape trauma already. And you know, as a pediatrician, of course, it's a natural mm -hmm. segue to ACEs. A lot of children have been exposed to consistent mm -hmm. trauma from when they were young and i was like i can't wait to turn 18 i'm gonna join the army and i'm a, i'm out of here and then you go to the army it's like uh hello you thought that was trauma get in line and now it gets that much worse <laughs> and so if people don't think you know why will 22 veterans kill themselves every day it's not just as easy as oh yeah because they were in the military no a lot of times it's just they're lost in translation. Wait, wait, I, I went in because I was supposed to be trying to, and then I got in there and it was worse. And then I get out and it's even worse. And people just, I'm just, I'm a deep thinker like that. Like before yeah. I go to bed, I'm thinking, why does a seven-year-old boy want to hang himself? You know, he got his Christmas present. He's got his mother. He's got his father. What is the thing? 
that is making him think I'm better off dead is deeper than just, I can't believe he's seven years old. What is it? What people just tell me, what, what do you mean he's seven? I said, well, he is, he was seven years old. And that is a big symptom of a huge disconnect in the, in the society that the youngest ones want to get out already. Yeah. Like, why are we not all screaming yeah. and shouting and trying to do something about suicide? Don't tag me after it, after it has happened, which is what they do. They exactly. tag me. And oh then they're like, oh, look, another one bites the dog. That's not yeah. what we want. What are, you, what are you doing in your own right. little corner of the world? Girl, thank you. Well, let me see what, let me tell you what I tell people. I think, number one, um, humans are an emotionally incompetent species, meaning that we have had no education, no formalized education and communication about emotions. We don't learn it in elementary school, middle school, high school. We're not talking about it in our, on our televisions. We don't, the people, the most we talk about emotions is in music. But even then, of course, we have as much destructive stuff as we have positive stuff. But we have not had, um, we need to pause. Actually, I was going to say, and I agree with you, but I was going to say music or poetry. Poetry for me will be even yeah. higher than music because, because it's your own words and I can't argue with that. And so I would say music can be censored. Words sure. in poetry cannot. And that's why I love, you know, the Toni Morrison's of the world who was like, speak, just talk, use your voice and say the words. Express. Yes. The words. Yeah. Yes, awesome. exactly. So we have a lot of bottled up, pent up, um, emotional stuff. And we have a lot of myths about what our emotions are and where they come from. And in fact, when I was doing dialectical behavioral therapy in order to teach it to my patients, I started to actually be able to better recognize my own emotions and what was happening inside of myself and recognizing those patterns of behavior in myself. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. I'm seeing, I'm hearing my colleagues and they have trauma. I got these patients and they have trauma. I'm watching the news. Um, I was especially started listening to people's patterns of behavior after Michael Brown Jr. was killed in mm -hmm. Ferguson because I'm from St. Louis. Mm -hmm. so I really was affected by that. I was like, oh, we have not dealt with so many traumas. And I'm hearing these same patterns from everybody and everywhere. And in fact, in myself, and I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Here's the issue. We don't understand how this brain works. We have six primitive brain systems that, that are affected by every psychological trauma that you have. And I define psychological trauma by saying um, an experience that you may have that is so deeply painful, you may not outwardly express or, or, or demonstrate the emotions, but so deeply painful that it changes the way you think about yourself, other people, and the world, okay? So it's like, that could be uh, that could be a car accident. That could be verbal abuse, physical abuse. That, that could be neglect. That could be uh, natural disasters or unnatural that be, disasters. That could that be a failed exam. I mean, that could be a failed exam. I mean, I know, exactly. you know, medical school. Are you kidding me? You know, again, same same thing. You know, medical school is exactly. so hard. And then if you fail an exam or a test and somebody belittles it and it does not validate the fact that maybe you're the savior of your whole clan. You're the reason, you're the ticket to freedom. Uh, and then you, you drop out of medical school mm -hmm. because you couldn't catch up. It can't destroy you like literally and oh wait here take some absolutely. pills wait stop, absolutely you know mm. it, precisely precisely so what happens is so i teach people about their brain and i do it in seven parts the six six of those parts i'm just going to be brief about the these because i don't want to take over <laughs> take over the whole thing but for example your ras your reticular activating system it's a part of your sleep, wake, um, and, and it's a, a cycle, and it's a filter, right? So if you've ever gone to buy a car, and all of a sudden that car starts popping up all over the road, you're like, ooh, there go my car, you know? Like, that's your RAS, right? So it's, a, it's affecting the way that you think about whatever it is, and it's a filter for what you pay attention to. Well, the same thing gets by traumatic experiences that you may have. 
So if you failed a test before, now your, your RAS is more tuned to picking up on things that may indicate that another failure is coming. So it's gonna draw your attention to that thing and draw your mind towards thinking about it. And the more you think about something, the more you empower those thoughts. You have an amygdala, right? That's a part of your brain that generates your emotions. Your amygdala does not differentiate between uh, an actual shared reality like the truth versus your version of reality that your brain is creating, your perception, right? So your amygdala creates how you feel based on what you believe is happening, not necessarily reality, but it's like, okay, oh, I didn't study yesterday. I'm going to fail this testing. Exactly. And then and your then mind. Exactly. Escalates right. it, you empower so it, and then it just takes over, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And so your amygdala starts creating that sensa- those sensations in your body, and you're not, you've never been taught uh, that you even have anxiety or that, you know, you're those sweats or those, uh, that, those heart palpitations, that the waking up at night, the insomnia or um, the headaches or the stress feeling that's being created by your own brain. Or the Another fact that it's normal body, to some extent to have anxiety. It's normal to have anxiety. It's okay. It is biologically it's bi- Exactly. You know, come on. Girl, I've never heard anybody put it in those words before. It, it's amazing. Humans are emotionally incompetent. I have never heard anyone put it so eloquently. We are indeed unable to. And it doesn't help that when the teenagers, you, you hush them, hush. And, 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 and African-American community, right. especially, we don't allow our kids, oh my God, what do you mean? Oh, that's not in our family. That's from the devil. You need to get prayed up. Now, here's the thing. Of recent, African-American children have been dying more and more by suicide. And you're right when you mentioned the Brown incident, the fact that we, our kids don't feel safe anymore. It's, it's a generational thing. It's also a present thing. It's politically yeah. hostile environment, the whole of the Americas. And it's like, we have to realize that those things are real. Our children feel it. My son came and said, mom, guess what? I said, what? He said, somebody jumped off I-10, which is in San Antonio here. He was distressed about it. I had to tell him, I said, I had to, he's 15. I had to get him to understand the why. He was truly, truly not good emotionally. He was devastated by the fact that it happened on a road that we drive up and down all the time. I had to take a moment and validate, yes, son, you are right for feeling this way. You are right. It's a painful thing. We right. should not allow ourselves to just throw it's business as usual. You know? Yeah. Girl, you are doing good work. You hear me? Yeah. You need to meet Dr. Burke, Dr. Nadine Burke. I'm going to go try to see her in California next year because she's about trauma in children. We, we need I, I to go. Need. You and I, we need to help find a way to get yeah, up in there. Yeah, we need to go. Because she's right by Stanford where my son is and my son is at Stanford. So we could just take a trip to go visit my son and then bye. Go see Miss Nadine. <laughs> Love it. Let's wow. do it. So, so that, that's a actually great segue into another brain system that I teach mm-hmm. about, which is the somatosensory cortex, right? That's the area of your brain that registers pain. And it, it treats physical and emotional pain the exact same way. Mm. So it like, it, they scan people and they did test, you know, functional MRIs and stuff on people. And they would, they would poke them and they'd look at the area of their brain that lit up. Or may, I think they were doing PET scans. And they would look at the, the area of their brain that lit up. And then they would give them a scenario where they would feel embarrassment, rejection, um, whatever else. And the same area of their brain lit up the exact same way from the psychological pain as the emotional pain. Wow. So I try to get people to understand, like, like, like our work, our thoughts are powerful. They're, they're, they're creative. They create feelings and sensations in us. And we act out of those. They create emotions that create these powerful urges to do or say something or not do or say something. And that roller coaster is very painful, especially when you don't know how to control it. It can be painful to the point that you're, if you're thinking, um, nobody understands me. 
uh, this world is horrible. I'm never going to be able to get out of this hole. Boom. All my dreams are shattered. That thinking is toxic, terrorizing, oppressive, extreme, intense, chaotic, toxic. I use mnemonics a lot to get people That's to good. understand. Like, That's you good. know, when you're doing trauma thinking, when you're feeling that red sensation, I also use, if I can use curse words, shitty thinking, subjective, Girl, harsh, tense, <laughs> subjective, harsh, intense, terrorizing to yourself. Hmm. So when you're have when those primitive brains, I've only talked about three, but that, you know, but point is, is that when those primitive brain systems are really kicking up dust and really affecting the way that you're perceiving other people and interpreting them you interpret them like collectively we're all interpreting other people and ourselves so much more negatively than is necessary because collectively we are in our own little individual bubble of perception and we treat our reality as if it's the reality versus using empathy which is taking the perspective of the other person, really like putting yourself over in there and, you know, kind of put your version of reality, just put it in a box for a second so you can actually see and hear the other person's experience. And you got to remember, they got this biology too. They're mm -hmm. giving me signals. They don't understand them. They don't have any better ability to control their animal than mm -hmm. you do because you, you don't even realize that that's is coming out of here and how I you're thinking. <laughs> so I'm going to go back. I, I, I didn't want to interrupt too much before we all forget. We lose track. This, this shitty I love. That was subjective, harsh, intense, toxic. Yes. To yourself. Was that it? The first T? Is that toxic? Mm -hmm. Okay. Now mm -hmm. the chaotic, I, I didn't get that at all. Yeah. Terrorizing. Mm -hmm. Oppressive extreme or exaggerated the x is for extreme mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. exaggerated intense and chaotic mm. so that that's trauma thinking you can actually feel when those areas of your brain are creating fear creating yes. anxiety depression creating an emotional roller coaster and when people are experiencing all of that but they're not getting validation from anywhere in their life probably because i mean i honestly would say once i really understood this i was shocked and appalled at the state of mental health care. mental health thank you and i'm glad you said that because I, i'm the same way like you i'm not quite i'm not a psychiatrist but i put two and two together my patients when they come in i do something similar to that you know i don't have many of my stuff organized and mnemonics yet but one thing that i use is i use fear and then i use real and I tell myself, believe it or not, there's only one letter between the two that's different, which fear is yeah. F for failure, fucked up, if you want to call that, whatever. Well, for real, is a letter L, meaning love and lullabies or lollipops, whatever, something nice. But the two words are essentially the same. Mm -hmm. But everything negative comes from the first word, yeah. which is fear, you know? But, and I tell yeah. myself, let's unpack your fear. Let's really literally unpack it. I'm afraid I'm going to fill my exams. Okay, can you study for exam? Okay, have you, even, have you been taught the lesson? Can you study for it? Can you give yourself a minute and just have a positive attitude that what you're studying, you will remember? If you can, you're going to pass the test. Mm -hmm. And so was that fear real after all? You know, I break it down like to the granular level because they're teenagers, they're 15, they're 17. Yes. And, and, but, and I don't blame them because like you said, we're all surrounded by incompetently, emotionally incompetent people. Like, I don't know how to handle that. I don't know. And then, you know, go to so-and-so. Yeah. But really, I, what about just a little bit, just a little bit at home? You know what, son, you're right. You're right. Let's go see so-and-so. Um, I know only this much or whatever. Just validate their emotions. They don't just be too quick to dump them to someone else. Some teenagers don't even want to talk to a stranger. They don't. You know? They don't want to talk right. to you, the parents. Yeah. What more a stranger? Yeah. Uh, well, a lot, and then a lot of times they're going to get invalidated by whoever they're talking to because that person's going to not not use an empathy. They're going to tell them that they should feel a different way or that they should just just go do this or just be that without giving them the validation. Like I can understand why 
from your perspective, you're experiencing these fears yes. and help them actually make a plan because that's basically what I, what I do. Your prefrontal cortex, which is the part of your brain that's the most evolved, is, is the human CEO. It's the part of us that um, is, looks at the short-term and the long-term goals. It's the part of us that is best at make planning and making decisions in the long run. That part of our brain, is, it, it didn't matter. When they did the studies, it, they have not seen even people who we would call successful in our, in, in our world, in our era, that were using anything more than 10 to 15% of the capacity of the prefrontal brain. cortex, mm -hmm. meaning we're leaving 80 to 90% of our ability to mm -hmm. think through a decision and, and change our trajectory, we're leaving that on the table. If the average person is only using 10 to 15% of the capacity of your prefrontal cortex, your best decision maker, and then you turn around and you think about those primitive brain systems, they roar, they, they take over, they, they'll snatch your body and have you doing stuff that you don't even fully recall because the, the input is so powerful it's not like you disappear when, when, when your primitive brain takes over, you're doing stuff and saying stuff and you're creating primitive outcomes for yourself based on reacting to those powerful emotions or those fears or the avoidance or the pain. And that's where a lot of that suicidal um, impulses come from because when, when you're feeling that much in pain and you don't know how to stop that and nobody's even validating that you're experiencing all this pain and anxiety and fear in your body, it makes you feel like you're crazy when yes. it's really biology, you know, yes. or somebody may tell you, you demon possessed or you just need to pray more or oh the devil is against you or whatever else. But this is our, we don't understand our biology and our technology and our understanding mm. of, of technological things has gone way past our understanding of how powerful we mm -hmm. are, yeah. with, yes. you know, how far our brains are. Yeah, nobody in medical school ever said to me, you know, we're animal, human, and spirit. <laughs> and and your biology is going to drive some some psychology yes. that's going to drive you to do some things some that things. you don't even realize that you're doing oh my God. just based on your biology. <laughs> and just, and then, you know, going back to the demon possessed, I'm Nigerian, okay, I'm African. We wrote the book about everything, all things on a sun, on an ununderstandable is voodoo related. If we don't get it, it's some kind of blackmagic.com, period. That's it. We can't even, we don't try to, no, it's got to be black magic. Yeah. The same people go to church and also, oh, you need to pray more. So how do you reconcile it? Which is why... I've had the hardest time in the city where I live in getting into the churches to talk to them. And yet we have pastors killing themselves by suicide. We have, why? Because the truth is you can't really cover it up, but you can try, but without coming to terms with what really the problem is, face it, acknowledge it, ask for help. Right. Because you can't do everything. And even God for the Christians out there. And I believe he exists, even God will send man to help you. He will send someone like you to help you. <laughs> and do you even see that or you miss it because you're too busy looking for something bigger? And, and, then, you, and then because you can't find it, you go to devastation. You know, so no wonder it's just like a vicious yeah. cycle. It's like it's not going to get any better because we just, we don't want to stop and literally smell the roses, like literally speaking. Yeah. Yeah, I, I tell people um, when, you're, when you're using your prefrontal cortex to look at circumstances and make decisions, it, you, you actually are thinking differently because you're, you're zooming out of your little bubble of perception that your biology creates and you're taking a removed you're just using your imagination to practice taking a removed perspective of it, like, you know, maybe God would have mm -hmm. to be able to see, okay, this is my version. That's their version over there. Those two versions of reality are equally true for both people. And they they collide. And what we do is like, no, my version, you, mm -hmm. <laughs> you will take my version. Me and what, 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 exactly. So I think what empathy does, is really um, 
make people recognize like i think we have a huge blind spot as humans right we're built looking out at what everybody else is doing and we're very engaged and recognize what everybody else is doing but we have a huge blind spot for ourselves and psychologically especially because we have to start thinking about what am i thinking and how is that creating something in me and the other person what what am i feeling what are my emotions and how is that creating or contributing to how I'm looking at this reality. Because often what happens is that when you're feeling one way emotionally like green, then you have a tendency to focus on the good stuff and be able to see those things and give those things weight and energy. But when that amygdala takes you over here to the negative stuff, then all of those things become more real. And you can switch back and forth in the same conversation and not even hear or see yourself being inconsistent and your emotions literally uh, 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 pulling you in different directions without recognition of how you're flip, flip-flopping. So it's like we do this very black and white thinking that drives this huge emotional roller coaster when we need to be actually be practicing, um, I call it empathy skills practice. No, well, so I was creating- gonna ask you that. So what do we do? I was just gonna <laughs> ask this person. <laughs> So what do so imp- help us? We don't know. What do we do? <laughs> what what well what we do is we educate ourselves about our brain, our body, and our behavior. Like that's 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 what we can do. We have to develop our empathy skills. So I created a program called Empathy Skills Practice. Um, it's going to be available um, as an online training program through my nonprofit organization, the Dr. Lana Trauma Recovery Institute. So I'm creating a trauma recovery academy and empathy skills practice is going to be the core, um, the core methodology. But basically what empathy skills practice is, is understanding how your biology, you know, having more of a recognition of these biological systems that drive behaviors and being able to watch yourself and use your, literally use your imagination, use your thought skills to be able to see how your biology is, is, creating impulses or your emotions are affecting your perception and be able to wrestle yourself, if you will, having, you know, doing things like mindfulness and meditation exercises and affirmations and using skills to calm yourself down, like holding ice when you're incredibly anxious or angry instead of going off or punching a wall or doing drugs or something else so that you can calm down and learning ways to, you know, um, pull yourself out of those, the intensity of that thinking and be able to have skills for um, walking your way through rethinking something or communicating more effectively with someone, even when the emotions are intense. So what oh, I'm doing I, is basically- I haven't heard I that. I a program to open up that cortex. <laughs> I was gonna say I haven't heard haven't heard anybody put it that way before, but and I haven't used those exact words. But that's actually what I do. I tell the teams, I teach them to self-regulate. You can, you can self-regulate. You can you can try. And then the more you practice, and I always use Steph Curry. He makes those three pointers look like a piece of cake, but that's because he's in the court putting in the time to practice every day. And we have to practice on our own self. No, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to think about you today. No, mm-mm. no, I'm going to do that instead. But as soon as we start to practice that, and then just maybe even when the, the chips are down and things are bad, we will still know how to self-regulate and come back. And I know you keep saying empathy, empathy, empathy. I love mm-hmm. that. But I, I read somewhere, and I use this more, I use compassion, because apparently compassion is not only empathy, it's also how can I help? So it's a combination of, God, I know exactly what you're feeling, or I understand, or I validate, but also here's what you can do, or here's what I can do, and here's how I can help. So can you imagine the, the power of just being able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes, like literally speaking, because we say that a lot, but we don't necessarily practice it. And you're right, when the going right. is good, everybody's happy. When the going is bad, that's the test right there. That's a test. Yeah. And that's why that um, poet called Humble, the poet, he said, no one can teach you what you can learn from your pain. But to learn that lesson, right. you must go through the pain. You know? So I love, love, yeah. love, love, love that phrase. Wow. So where can the listeners find you? Yeah. 
they can find me. So my primary platform is Facebook and you can find me at Dr. Alana, D-R-A-L-A-U-N-A, -A -A, trauma psychiatrist. Um, I also post on Instagram a little bit, Twitter a little bit. Um, and I've started the YouTube channels. They can follow my channel and um, it's under the name Dr. Lana, D-R-A-L-A-U-N-A. -A. And so I'm dropping, you know, little little nuggets and things for people take so them. that they we'll can start learning, yeah, how to process and, you know, talking more about these brain systems and how to, um, you know, just kind of recognize them. I, I, what I'm what I notice is that once you know you have these and you know what they're doing, you see them in action and you can kind of self-regulate. So, and, you know, say it again. No, I said self-regulate. Yeah. I, I was just saying so, self-regulate. And just, and just, I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Because this is, nobody else can drive your body for you. No one else can drive your brain. So it's important that you know what buttons, you know, it's like trying to drive a Klingon spaceship. We're malfunctioning because we don't understand the signals that we're getting and we don't recognize the buttons to push. We, we, we think it's all, everything out there and it's like, mm -mm, it's in here. Right back. And even something as simple as your computer, something as simple as your computer, you reboot it every morning. You restart it ideally every morning. You troubleshoot it all the time. Why can't we troubleshoot ourselves? Why do we wait, 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 wait until it's too late? I was told, yesterday by a friend of mine that this guy that we both know he was at the airport and he literally just slumped and died and i said you know what well he didn't die right away but he died eventually he had a hemorrhage massive hemorrhage and i said to him, i said you know what i bet you he was having the worst headache of his life for weeks before that but we don't want to stop and and acknowledge that headache yeah we've been taught to ignore those signals we've been taught that we're supposed to push through it we've been taught that if we have emotions or feelings or pain especially if nobody's if nothing's physically being done to you right you know well then why is bullying so impactful the behavior all creators we all have our our own little sliver of the universe to manage mm -hmm. and i can either be harmful to you or helpful to you mm -hmm. i can be um, fearful or loving is really, it's only really two, two options. Right. <laughs> and it's funny yeah. you said that because one, one thing that, you know, as a Nigerian woman, I mean, it's like when I was filing for divorce, everyone said, everybody said to me, except maybe my kids, what do you mean? He's such a nice guy. And what, what, why would you want to do that? Like, who do you even know that's ever been divorced? Like everyone Nobody said, well, what happened? What, did, what happened? What did he do or not do or whatever? No one, they all wanted to just, it's, it's, it's easier to not acknowledge the pain. It's easier to just say, well, you know, at least you're married. No, that's not it. If I'm dying in my marriage, this is not a good thing. And then of course, heaven forbid, if I had died in a marriage, oh my goodness. I can't believe she didn't get out. You know, it's like, what do you want from me? You know? So thank you so much for, for I feel like you need to come out for part two because I don't think we did a lot of justice. <laughs> I think we did pretty good. I think we did pretty good. Okay, well, we're going to take I think that. we did great. Okay, we're going to take that. <laughs> so um, usually before I let you go, I want you to say to just drop one last nugget, either your favorite quote or your favorite saying, or favorite book that you're reading, or favorite podcast, wink, wink, or um, just words of encouragement, like, like the last words of encouragement before we get before we get going. Not your last one, just some words of encouragement for the listeners. Sure. I wish I had my. I wish my podcast was ready, but yours is amazing. So <laughs> you definitely. I've only started listening to podcasts, and so um, that's one of the first ones that I started listening to. Yay. Thank you so much for your work. Um, my, I would, I recommend a book series called Conversations with God by Neil. Yes, Donald everybody talks Walsh. about that book. Those books, rather. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I think that that the reason that I recommend Conversations with God is that I think that humans. Um, I, I tell people I don't have patience anymore. I work with people because <laughs> I recognize that everybody is like, if I didn't get a good education my emotions and I'm a freaking psychiatrist okay so I'm like I went to great schools 
I got straight A's. I got the documents to prove it. Amen. And I most of the time, I paid attention most of the time. You know, I slept too much. That's but that's Hello. another story. <laughs> but the point is, is that if 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 I went to the pinnacle of what is supposed to be knowledge of mental health and psychiatry and being a doctor and even in my practice of career it took me i've only probably gotten in this information in the last maybe like two or three years so i was a very good psychiatrist before i got this now it's like when i explain this stuff to people it's mind-blowing and it's life-changing because it, it for the first time it really puts context to what they're experiencing and it's it's really kind of basic stuff it's really like us just getting to know and understand what our brain is doing and how powerful it is to create our reality and not only that but emotions are the language of the soul and by golly if we've ignored emotions to the point where we're emotionally competent and it's the language of the soul that, that meaning that it's the one communication system that no matter where you are, where you live on earth, what area you lived in, what language you spoke, what belief system you had, you felt anger, pain, fear, guilt, embarrassment, jealousy. Uh, it's always been a core presence of the invisible self that humans have, and it's completely neglected. So I, what I say to people is you need to have some spiritual uh, reprogramming and some conversations with God about who we are, what we are, and how powerful we are, because then you'll understand how important it is for you to control your thoughts, to wrestle your words, to, to you know, leash your animal, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. put, a, put, you know, put more intent and intentional practice on controlling what you think and your, your words and your behavior, and that creates different outcomes. And that's, that's the answer. Everybody work on your part of the equation and we're in a different world like today, tomorrow, yesterday, now. Yes, right away. Ahorita, like the Spanish people would say, thank you so much. I mean, honestly, we just have to exactly. ultimately just keep it real. We're, we're supposed to be like the most complex of the beings. We're supposed to be like the most emotionally advanced of the beings. But the, the older I get, the more I realize that, mm, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know. We think we're civilized because our technology has it has highly advanced, but we have not changed our thought patterns and behaviors to actually be as evolved and civilized as we think we are. And the evidence of that is look at your news, look at your world. Look yes, at, I was just you know. going to say that because it looks like it's coming full circle now and coming back to bite all of us now. We have the highest rate of suicides in the, in ever in the history of mankind. And yet we have the fastest rates of communication in the history of mankind. Everybody has a cell phone. Some have it in their watch. Yet, yeah. yet, are they meaningful? It's information overload. Yes, are they yeah. meaningful connections? Are they really, truly meaningful? I had to just validate my humanness. The fact that it's been a while, you know? Hey, most people... Most people operate with a very low empathy meter, meaning mm. that, like, their, their ability to, um, at, not even ability, their, their actual skill at thinking about how might the other person experience me and, you know, how, how, how coming across to other people that I interact with is, is extremely low. I would venture to say that when I, when I make a comment like, um, you know, we all experience reality through our own micro sliver version that our brain can produce and we treat our reality as if it's a shared reality, there are people who are good and grown adults who've never actually considered that. So, you know, it's really interesting to, to know that empathy causes a blindness to the other person's experience. Lack of empathy causes yes, a blindness to the other person's experience of you and to see how, um, how, how low on the scale functional, successful adults can be with empathy, it's scary. It's actually terrifying yeah. to me that we operate like this. However, I do know it's fixable and it's not, it don't even take a lot to fix it. It takes knowledge and intent, it, awareness, acknowledgement, yeah, Awareness, I was just gonna say awareness. Okay. Just being aware of it, just being aware of it. I'm just trying to autocorrect. Your phone does it already, for goodness sakes. Your phone will autocorrect until you, say, until you do it every time. Every time I write, 
nice hearing from you. Now my phone knows when I write nice, it offers me hearing from you. But I had to do a couple of nice hearing from you for my phone to recognize. My phone is not even human. It was designed by humans. Like, why can't we just begin to start today and just center yourself and just be like, okay, last time I did this, you didn't really like it. Second time I did, she's like, okay, maybe I shouldn't do it again. You know, it's like something as simple. Wow. I knew this was going to be an awesome conversation. I told you it was, so I'm really glad. Um, Gosh, did you have, did you have some more stuff for us? Or did you want us to, because I know you had some time constraint. (laughs) Well, we can definitely definitely do, yeah, we definitely can do a part two. So I'm looking forward to that. We'll have to get it on the calendar ASAP. I'm excited. Well, ladies and gentlemen, y'all know me. You know how I do. This is Dr. Lulu. This is the momatrician. I'm coming at y'all at the end of the conversation. Hope you learned something. Lots and lots of nuggets. I'm going to see if I can take two seconds to touch on the high points. She worked with the, she worked with the VA. And you know what? Anyone who works with the veterans, I tell you, if you don't get humbled, working with the veterans, I don't know what you're going to get because these are the most broken people that I know. And I know because I'm one. We definitely could use that. We could replicate that. We could rinse and repeat what we're doing with the veterans, uh, the good things that we're doing with the veterans outside. Okay, let me correct that because I know some veterans, uh, she told us about the six primitive. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I said, I definitely understand that feeling. I have mixed feelings myself. Go ahead. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So she talked about six primitive brain systems. I mean, who knew that, right? I went through med school and I didn't even know that. Maybe I did and I forgot. I don't know. Either way. But she has so much experience with her immersion process with trauma that she speaks trauma. This woman speaks trauma. She talked about the fact that she provides skills that are needed to manage emotional illnesses. And I think that is critical. That is not so much psychiatry. That is almost like personatry. That's not a word. She doesn't have patients. She has people. These are who she deals with, not patients, but people who are capable of hurting, who are hurting. And therefore, by being able to teach them how to manage emotional illnesses, maybe we should change the word mental to just emotional illnesses. And then people will realize that it's not just here, take this medicine, which is basically a band-aid. And in my own case, exacerbated my societal symptoms because it's, it's, nobody thought wait wait what happened let's start asking what happened not why two different things what happened to a child who wants to kill themselves at seven at 17 what happened not why if you think about the way you ask what happened the energy is totally different than why do you want to do it what happened means you're validating the fact that something triggered it because I was born weighing six to eight pounds and I was a normal happy baby, but something happened. And now today I want to kill myself. So hopefully you guys have learned, you know, Dr. Alana, thank you so much for coming and sharing your wisdom with us. Girl, this book is going to be a bestseller. This is my suicide pages. Y'all heard me. So Dr. Alana, we will see you again for sure on part two. This is Dr. Lulu. This is Suicide Pages signing out. Bye.